Welcome to the Big Church Podcast. We are a church in Barrie, Ontario, Canada, and we hope you are blessed by this message. For more information, check out our website at bigchurch.cc. Not psychology and all of these things that so many times we, those things can help, but the Word of God has power to set us free. God's, God's Word is... And that truth, when we understand it and it's revealed, has the power to set us free. So, how many like mysteries? I, I like watching shows, uh, you know, mystery shows where you're trying to figure out different things and, uh, you know, you're trying to put things together and it doesn't get revealed till the end. Anyone like that? And it's, 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 you know that God likes mysteries, and uh, he, he is a mystery in that he is revealing himself continually. And um, it's not something that you'll be able to just understand one day. I believe we will spend eternity knowing God. We'll be spend eternity understanding who he is and all that he is, and it'll be continually be revealed. Um, I call it the wonder of God. And, and we, we can't lose that. But there's something that God wanted to reveal to us. So we're going to go to this scripture. I'm going to, this is the end scripture that I have. We're going to, this is the end, and then we're going to work our way uh, back from that. But in Colossians 1, 24 to 29, this is what it says. So Colossians, again, 1, 24 to 29. It says, now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you because I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. This is Paul speaking here. He says, I've become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. And this is the part I want us to see. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed, is now revealed to the Lord's people. Amen. How many want to know this mystery? You know, I think a lot of us do, but I'm going to just uh, put it in a whole package so we, we can get excited about this mystery that's been revealed. And it says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery. So it's God's God's purpose was that us, the Gentiles, because the Jews were already, um, you know, walking with God, had a covenant with God, but God wanted to bring that richness of, of, the, of his glorious riches to us. So he wanted this mystery to be revealed, which is, say it together, Christ in you. Amen? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery that's been revealed. Now, why was this a mystery? Well, we have to kind of backtrack and look at how God unfolded this plan. Because, you know, a lot of times what we forget is we take for granted what we have because we don't realize the price that it cost for us to get what we have. You know, they say with a, with a generation uh, that hasn't had war, that hasn't had all these things, and they haven't had to struggle through. You know, there were people that fought for the freedom of democracy so that we could vote, so that we could have a, a say. That In that whole process, they, they fought for that. They laid their lives down for it. But we can just kind of take it lightly. Why? Because we forget, right? We forget what, what, what was brought to us. And in, in the same way, this mystery that God revealed, 
was something he couldn't just all of a sudden, poof. You know, when Adam and Eve, they sinned in the garden, the Bible says, uh, you know, that sin separated them from God and God had to send them out, not because he hated them, because his holiness would consume and destroy them because his holiness consumes sin. See, we, we seem to think God was just being mean. He kicked them out. No, God was actually protecting them. And then he had to begin to make a way to bring us back to himself. So he unfolded a plan, and it took a long time. It didn't just happen like that. This is the thing with God that we have to remember. He is not a microwave God. It's not stick it in 30 seconds. Where is it? You know, I can't believe this now in our generation. We've got now where you can pre-order on your phone for, for takeout at Tim's, which already only takes a few minutes, but, but we have to pre-order on our phone. So what? So I can get it even 30 seconds faster. Like, like this is how we're driven. And then God's like, my plan is a plan, and it's going to unfold, and I'm not getting into your rat race. I'm not in that. I can do things quick. I can do things fast when I, when I need to in their time. But there are some things in the plan of God that unfold and take time. And this mystery took time. Because God, first of all, had to establish a people. And, after, and, and so how did he do that? He did it with that covenant with Abraham. He took a man. And he found a man who was going to come into covenant with him by faith. And God promised him, I'm going to make generations after you that are going to follow me. I'm going to make your descendants. Why? Because he believed God, and it was credited to him for righteousness. So Abraham started this. But out of one man's covenant, God had to then begin to create a family, right? And from that family, we have Abraham, Isaac, and then we have Jacob. Then God began to multiply that family to where Jacob came on the scene, God said, I'm going to now make a nation out of you. And out of his 12 sons, he created 12 tribes, and he began to create a nation. And he had to unfold that first, because these people had to be set apart for him. He couldn't just come on the scene and say, okay, boom, this is how it's going to happen. No, he had to unfold this plan to a people. He had to unfold it to a nation. And so he began to do that. So then after he got these people, then he began to say, now I'm going to show them my ways. And so eight, uh, Moses came on the scene, and God began to say, this is, this, is, this is who I am. And he gave us the Ten Commandments, which he knew we wouldn't be able to do. It was a standard of holiness that God holds. And he knew we wouldn't be able to do it, but God had to show us, this is partly of who I am. And then he began to show ways. This is how you begin to honor me. And then he began to show, look, and when you fall short from the mark, which is what sin is, when we miss the mark of God, he says, this is what you need to do. And he began to show them how they needed to sacrifice the, 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 the blood sacrifices because God instituted the wages of sin is death. It was God who set that law in place, not man. And so something had to pay the price for those shortcomings. So he began to unfold that plan. He had the temple. He had all the instructions. He had so many specific things in those laws to give us uh, to understand all different things in life and how we're to, if you've ever read uh, Leviticus and you've read Numbers and you, you see that God is very specific 
on many things. And then from there, he began to unfold. But then from that place and those people, he then could bring the Messiah, the one. After we understood, okay, there needs to be a sacrificial lamb, then God said, I'm going to send my son right into the midst of this, and I'm going to let him be that one. But this is the mystery. The devil didn't know that. We didn't even know it. Do you know that the, all the promises for the Messiah, there are hundreds. I wish I could get into them because it's incredible. I took it in, in Bible school. I believe there's over 300 prophecies of how he would come specifically, how he would die specifically, where he would be born. Do you know that Mary and Joseph, they didn't even know that he had to be born in Bethlehem. It wasn't like they were like, oh, we've got God's baby, and we read in the Bible, we have to go to Bethlehem. No, they went there by mistake. They went there because there was a consensus that had to be taken, and Joseph had to go back to his hometown, which was Bethlehem. They, we had no clue that there was a prophecy hundreds of years before, I don't know how many exactly, that said he had to be born in Bethlehem. But God can orchestrate anything. Amen? His tomb, one of the most important things, his death. There was no preparation for his death. None. One of the most important events. And yet God puts it on a rich man because the God said it would be out of a stone that was, was hewn. It was another one of the prophecies. Again, hundreds, hundreds of years before. Some even thousands of years before. And a rich man didn't look at the Bible and say, oh, he's got to have a tomb and it's got to be, I've got that. No. He just It was on his heart. I need to give this tomb. This is where he needs to lay. This is where, you know, people, you know, wonder how does all this happen? Prophecy and prophecy fulfilled to the, to the T. There, every single prophecy was fulfilled. Hundreds and hundreds of prophecies. Then we can get into the feasts. The feasts reveal Christ. They didn't know. Passover. He was the Passover lamb. It all pointed to him. That's just one feast. It's an amazing thing. God was unfolding this. But guess what? No one knew. We're all like, this is a really good thing. And, you know, kind of makes sense, and it's kind of cool, but nobody knew. It was a mystery. But you know who didn't know? Slewfoot. Satan, small s, did not know. In fact, this is what it says. Um, let's go to um, 1 Corinthians 2, <clears throat> 7 to 8. Because this is what it says. This is how I know, because the scriptures tell us. He says, no, he says, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God has destined for our glory for, before time. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Why? Because this was the devil's motivation. If I can just stop that Jesus, stop these miracles, stop this leader who is making all these people uh, follow him and, and, and begin to change their ways. If I can just stop him, I could stop everything. Right? Let's just kill him. Let's stick him in a tomb. Because death is what I hold. Satan knew that. But he didn't realize 
that Jesus, when he died, would go and he would accept death, but he accepted it as a perfect lamb. No blemish, no sin. And when he was sinless, he broke the power of death. Because death is only for the wage of sin. Jesus was perfect. So when death came, tried to swallow him up, he went down to that grave, he took those keys, he said, Satan, no more. These keys are yours, no more. And there's verses on it, we're not going to get into all those, I have other verses. This is just the, the prep for the main part of it, which is, is Christ in you. That's what we're getting to. Because this is what he did not realize. Is that Jesus was coming back, and when he rose again, he said, all who believe in me, I will now give them authority and power like me. And it there won't be just one Jesus. There will be many Jesuses with people in me. Are we going to be Jesus? No, we're not Jesus. Christ in you. Christ in you. Christ in you. Trish just alluded to that scripture. I thought she was going to take my message. Galatians 2.20. Trish preaches everything, okay? Announcements, she preaches it. She just preaches everything, right? She's just a preacher. You know, you have to try to keep it contained. It's like, okay, Trish, three minutes. It's like, but some people just have that in them. You have to get it out. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. But what? Let's say it together. But Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. The mystery revealed is Christ in you. And you know what that takes out of our walk? Striving. You can rest in Christ in you. You can cease from dead works. You can cease from all of your striving, which is a crucified life. Not my way. Because that's what, the, the, when the Bible says, pick up your cross and follow me, what does that mean? The cross was this, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. What's the battle? The battle is our will. The battle is our will. People ask me all the time, how, do I, how can I know the, God, the, the will of God? I said, well, number one thing is you have to die to your own will. You can't have two. If you want to know the will of God, first step is die to your own will. Crucified with Christ, you no longer need to live. How many are tired of pumping things up and making things happen on your own? Because whatever you get going on your own, you got to keep going. But when you live for Christ, what he gives you, he gives you the power to do. And he can give you amazing, powerful things to do. In fact, this is what Jesus said to us in, in uh, John. If we can go there, John 14, um, uh, verses 10 to 13. This is what Jesus said to us. <clears throat> he says, don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? This is what he, this is, he's talking to his disciples. And he says, the words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. 
So Jesus was the first fruit, the first example. And so God was working in him, just like Jesus works in us. He says, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in, in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Amen? So in other words, when you see the blind eyes open, that's the Father. When you see deaf ears, when you see a light being lifted out of darkness into light, that's the Father. Look at the works. Watch what's being revealed. Because see, guys, as believers, that needs to be coming out of our lives daily. We're, whoever we're in contact with, Christ in us. He, the supernatural power, because this is what Jesus says. He says, very truly, I tell you. In other words, he said, this time I'm not lying. <laughs> very truly. <laughs> No, does he, you know, he's like, he's emphasizing this. He's like, guys, this is very important. Whoever believes in me, are you a whoever? Everyone's a whoever. Whoever believes, not has read half the Bible, gone to Bible school, understands everything. Bill and Kathy right now, they called us there in Tanzania. And they're preaching the gospel there in Africa to hundreds and thousands of people. I think in, in they've already ministered in their first week, 53,000 people got saved. They're, they're, they're going into schools with thousands and thousands of kids. They did nine schools in one day. And I, it's just unbelievable. The hunger over there for, for, for God and for the, for, for the truth. And they're believing it. And they're, you know, they may not have a Bible, and they may not, but they believe and they receive. And, and Bill saw someone's uh, deaf ear, was it, or blind, uh, blind eyes open, pr praying for them. Um, and so it's just amazing. It's just simply believing. But we live in a culture that, well, it's about your works, and it's about, I've got to do this, and I've got to, it's about making the better you and all of that. And it's like, no. No, that's not how Christ works. Christ took you when you were junk, when I was junk, when I was nothing, when I was sin. And he, and he came, and he came in the midst of that, and he said, I'm pulling you out of that. He took all of us. And, and so do we think now we can, we can make this thing better by adding on our own ability? No, we rely on Christ in us. Amen? We turn away from that. Because this is what Jesus said. He said, very, very truly I say to you, <clears throat> um, go to the next verse, sorry. Next one. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. What did Jesus do? Jesus Spoke, brought life. He cast out demons. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. Open blind eyes, deaf ears. This was part of, Jesus is saying to you and me, you're going to do the same. How could I ever do that? Let's, I think I need to start with warts. Let's believe God for warts to go. All right? And I got to have faith for, you know, these smaller things maybe. But he's like, no. He says, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. 
And they will do even greater things than these. And what he was speaking of greater things is when the Holy Spirit came in us, which didn't happen until after Jesus left. This is why Jesus said greater things. We have the work of the Holy Spirit who is working on our behalf. We can do greater things because he is working inside people, convicting of sin, of righteousness and judgment. All of these things are is now happening as a result of what Jesus did. So he's like, you're going to do greater works than these. And then he says here, um, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Amen? How many think there's like not many restrictions he's put there? He says, you can ask whatever in my name, and I will do it. The, Jesus wants to reveal himself to this generation. And I believe it doesn't matter with the lockdowns. It, I mean, we don't like it, and it's not convenient, but Jesus won't be limited to that. We all have people we can pray for. We all have people that we're connected with, that we can bring Jesus to where they are at. And Christ in you can do the greater works. Amen? Christ in us can do the greater works. We've been empowered by him to be able to do these things. And let's go to, um, because John 14, uh, not 14, sorry, 1 John 4, 4 says this. Whenever we walk into a room, how many know sometimes there are situations where it can be overwhelming? Where you maybe come into a very negative, maybe very uh, contrary situation to, the, to God. And you know it when you walk right into that. And you can feel this blanket like it tries to come over you. How many have ever been into that kind of a situation? And, and, and this is what we have to remember is, let's read it together. He says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. We need to remember that whenever we are going out there in situations, greater is he that is in me than he, you know, sometimes we can hear, you know, this was one of my first verses when we were, you know, when I was getting saved and I was in Bible school for my first year. This was a key scripture. But sometimes you can be so familiar with the scripture that it just becomes a sideline. Yeah, greater is he that is in me. And it's like, no, now we need it. It's like a gun. Okay, you can have it in your, well... Okay, I'm talking to Canadians, okay? <laughs> okay. Typical Americans have guns, right? And, and, and they've got it just at the side. But, yeah, I'm going there. I'm not going there for the example of we all need to have a gun. We're not going to get into that argument. Using the example, I'll use a soldier, okay, with a gun. Okay? When he's training... He uses that gun, and it sits there, you know, by his bed or whatever. In training time, it's treated differently than when he's in battle. When he's in battle, he hugs his gun. When he's in battle, his gun is his best friend. He treats it differently. And this is what we need to realize, is we are in the heat of battle. And you need to know greater is he that is in you. You need to hug the gun. You need to know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Oh, 
That is so good. And that doesn't mean, like Trish was saying, we get caught up in fear. We get caught up in the rat race. No, that's where we need to slow down and we need to rest in the promise of who we are and in the reality of what he's given us and rest in that and rest in that truth. Greater are you that is in me than he that is in the world. And I want to give you a prayer that you can pray as a believer that Paul prayed, and we're going to close with this in um, Ephesians because the ending of it, it ends on the same note, greater is he that's in you. And this is a powerful prayer to pray. And it's always good to pray Scripture because you can't pray a better prayer than Scripture. And in um, Ephesians 3, 14 to 21, that's the, the, the um, portion of Scripture we're going to read concerning the prayer. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches. So again, it's his riches, amen, that we're dependent on. He may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Where? That floats around just out there somewhere, and hopefully it'll come to me. And, or maybe, you know, it's floating there, and I can run into it. No. His power through his spirit in your inner being. Right in you. That's why we can rest. We don't have to strive. We don't have to get in the rat race that everyone is in, chasing this and chasing that and measuring up to this and measuring up to that. And just, it's, it's a vicious cycle that it's like a hamster wheel the devil puts you on. And Jesus is like, he pops you off that wheel and he says, there's power. And this power is given to strengthen you in your inner being. And then it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Amen. You know that we, we, there's so much love to grasp. I don't know what we're going to do. There's just, there's so much love to grasp. And we can't even grasp it naturally. We have to grasp it with his supernatural power. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that he may be filled, that, sorry, that, not he, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. God's not holding anything back here. He, got, he was trying to get something to us all through the generations as that mystery was revealed. But when Christ came, he's like, I'm dumping it all now. And this is the part I want us to see. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. In other words, God wants to blow our brains out. Right? He wants to blow out the limitations. He wants to blow out all of the mindsets that restrict him. He's saying, I can go beyond what you ask, 
and what you imagine. According to what? His power, but not his power out there somewhere. His power that is at work within us. Amen? Within us. To him be glory in the church. And this is what I want us to see. Let's let Jesus get the glory for everything he does. Let's bring Jesus into everything that we encounter. Let's allow Jesus to work in us in the things that we need him to work in us. And let's let glory be to him. Amen? To him. To him. Because we are in a superstar culture, and we don't even realize it, but there's this, we want to be validated and we want to be recognized. It's still there. It's still there. And if that motivation is not stripped out of us, we will not do things for his glory. We won't. We do it for all kinds of other motivations, but it truly has to be from that place of, I've been crucified with Christ. The life I no longer, I no longer live to myself, but I live to the glory of him. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. Amen? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout gener all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you want to come on up. I want us to de declare that song again, um, o Overcome, the song we just ended our worship time with, because it's a declaration. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that this message has truly blessed your life. For more information, go to bigchurch.cc. Thank you.